Hi, everybody. It's Friday, so it's time for the CityCast Houston News Roundup. Today, lead producer Dina Kesba and I are talking with freelance audio producer A.K. Al Momen. It's Friday, June 3rd, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Dina and A.K., are y'all ready to talk about the news? Let's do it. All right. So let's talk about the biggest story of the week first. Dina, what did you think it was? I think it's COVID detected yet again in our wastewater. Um, Everyone's kind of getting COVID Mm -hmm. again, and some people are freaking out. This is in the Houston wastewater, yeah? Yeah, into into our wastewater. I mean, a lot of people are saying that it's not going to be that bad. I mean, they're not at a threat, like a highest level threat right now. They're kind of at moderate, so they're still, that means that they're still kind of controlling COVID spread. But I don't know what that means going into summer vacation. People are going to be out and about. I mean... Is it going to go high? Are we going to have a spike again? Is it going to be crazy where everyone's getting COVID? Yeah. I don't know, but it's definitely of concern right now. Yeah. Okay, what about you? What do you think is the biggest? I mean, it's a continuation of a lot of the biggest stories from last week, post the the Uvlad shooting and then the NRA convention. Right. How do we respond to those? That I think is, that's mine too. Do we take measures? What do we do? Exactly. Because yeah. like Greg Abbott wants to now do an audit on school safety when it seems like he had just given a speech at the NRA saying that like more restrictions on gun laws aren't the way to solve our problems. It's less entry points, more police officers, more arming of people. And it seems like this fantastical thing. So I don't know what the what the audit is going to accomplish for his case. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking it's a way of saying, oh, we're doing something. Mm -hmm. I was interested that Abbott did not speak in person at the NRA convention. He, like, sent a video, which was not the original plan, and then he went to Uvalde in person. I don't know whether anyone there wanted to see him, but he did go. But it seems like he just doesn't really want to talk about it much. You know, he seems to be giving two different messages, one to the NRA, one to the grieving parents. We'll do something to make sure this never happens again. Yeah. I mean, he's in an election year. Beto is kind of criticizing him on every little step he's making. Oh, but especially on guns, man. Yeah. Beto is full-throated. Because the governor of the state of Texas, the most powerful man in the state, chose to do nothing. He went to Santa Fe High School after kids were killed in their classrooms told the parents he would do something, he did nothing. He came to my hometown of El Paso after 23 people were slaughtered. He said he was gonna do something, he did nothing. In fact, the only thing he did was make it easier to buy a gun. The only thing he did was make it easier to carry a gun in public. And he bragged about the fact that there would be no background check, no training, no vetting whatsoever. Yeah, and he's going after him for going to fundraisers post the sure anything that comes up he's kind of calling him out on that so i feel maybe abbott is feeling some sort of pressure from that but he even like that's the surprising part about the new republican party in some aspects because like it's a party of a pettiness a little bit i mean Mm. donald trump immediately called him out for not being at the nra convention called abbott out yeah and yeah. it's immediately like, well, now your reputation is being affected with your core base, but also you're trying to like keep everyone happy in the wake of, or not happy is the wrong word, but like calm during this big mm. tragedy. But like, 
I don't think it helps this case to be a fence sitter. Definitely not. I, I'm just wondering, like, we've been here before so many times. I mean, is this really going to threaten his ability from being reelected? I don't know. I mean, look at Texas mm -hmm. as a state. I know people who are like leaning left, but also own guns and also believe in having guns and side with, unfortunately, with Abbott on that. So I don't really know if this really does a lot of what we want it yeah. to do. The Houston Chronicle columnist Chris Tomlinson wrote a great piece this week. Tomlinson is an Army veteran. He was a war correspondent. You know, he's seen a lot of children killed, you know, with rifles. But he has never until recently owned a gun personally. And he wrote mm. about buying one. And he said that he did it for the same reason that most Americans now are buying guns. It's because he's afraid of his fellow Americans. And that sent chills down my spine. You know, Chris is basically liberal, but... He's feeling nervous now, and he talks about there being an uptick in purchases of guns by liberals, basically, who are doing something they never thought they would do. I mean, a lot of what we do nowadays in the past few years has been just this reactionary response, a fear response, almost, I feel. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of statistics True. on the rise of, like, home security uh, purchasing of guns. I know family members who've never thought of buying guns, buying guns, and especially in, in Texas, and the increase in like violence. I mean, there's a story every other day of a, even a simple petty like shooting happening in Houston or in Texas. And now it's like back to back. I mean, the Tulsa shooting just happened a couple, like a day or two ago. Yeah. And the one in Tennessee. Yep. So many have happened already since the school shooting. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention your garden variety murders and suicides with guns. Exactly. And it's been this rising line almost since like Sandy Hook. I mean, the Denver shooter went into a convenience store, like just as possibly dense as possibly populated. And there was a story, I think it was on the Texas Tribune, and it, they were interviewing people at the NRA convention. And they were literally walking by booths where the same AR-15 that was used in the shooting was being displayed for sale at George R. Brown. So there's also like this cognitive dissonance yeah. where they're like separating the object from the action. Yeah. I saw people saying that we don't blame drivers when a drunk kills someone on the road. But I don't think that's the right comparison. We do arrest drunk drivers, but we also are careful to make cars safe. We would not allow a car on the road that has been designed to kill people. Yeah. I also think it's really bizarre when you look at how quickly society as a whole moves on from a shooting, right? The, the Buffalo shooting happened not long ago. The church shooting happened not long ago. And people seem to have just kind of forgotten about it because it's we've just become so desensitized two mass shootings in America. It's become a thing that defines this country, unfortunately. Whether people want to admit it or not, that's the reality. That's how we see people like, oh, it happened. We all know that nothing actually that needs to get done is going to get done. We're not going to get the response level that New Zealand had at the mosque shooting. We're not going to get that in this country. So what what is the solution? Right. And this going back to AK's point that this idea that we need to harden the targets, that we need to make schools have one entrance. That's only going to go so far. That won't stop someone, say, from shooting up a convenience store or a grocery store or a hospital. 
And I don't even think that's going to stop a high school kid who wants to go shoot up his own school. High school kids are sneaky. They know how to get things into school. You're not going to keep guns out. It just seems like a Band-Aid on everything, really. Like all these like shooter drills, too, that happens in school. Right. What other school has these kind of drills? Right. Well, also, if you're a kid in the school who's thinking about shooting your school up, you know the plan because you learned it doing the drill. You know, it's not a secret. All right. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we could talk about this forever. <laughs> oh. Okay. Dina, what story did you think should have gotten more attention this week? It's a story that still ha is kind of a little gray. There, there hasn't been a decision made, but it's about the thousands of janitors in Houston that are maybe possibly going to go on strike. We don't know yet. We're still waiting. But they're protesting to raise the minimum wage that janitors get. So right now it's it's at 10.75 an hour and they're looking to fight for 15 an hour. It makes sense, right? Inflation, yeah. the rise in gas prices, food, everything is so expensive. It's like that kind of has to go up too in order to compensate the cost of living overall. I mean, this does come after, you know, Houston City Council had raised the minimum wage for all their municipal employees, including janitors. So they get 15 an hour. Right. But these janitors were striking. Are they in a union? Are they all on the same contract? How do they have leverage? So they're, it's a little different. They work to clean different office buildings like within the city. They're not necessarily like one union. Okay. And do you think they can hold the line? The companies won't just hire someone else? <sighs> you know, I, I want to be hopeful. I really do. But I don't know. I think... I don't I know. I think they might be able to do it. I think there is this underestimation because people think that like companies are opening up for more and more jobs and the job market is opening up and stuff like that. But it seems like mm -hmm. that's only available for like these uh, low, I guess what they like to describe as low skilled jobs. They're opening mm -hmm. up because like there's a lot of people who are not willing to take those jobs anymore. Yeah, we see those help wanted signs mm. all over town. It's not opening up for middle management or like those what they consider to be higher skilled jobs. The job market is it's opening very slowly for those positions. But those low mm -hmm. lower income bracket like jobs that's one of the reasons attributed to why the Amazon strikes were so successful and the Starbucks unionization was so yeah. successful. Yeah, yeah. This is a pretty good point in yeah. time to kind of use the leverage of like, we're the only people who are willing to work for you. So if you don't give us what, we, what we're seeking, like it seems like a pretty decent leverage for them that there are those help wanted signs right. and no one is taking it. I have to wonder, like with inflation, do you feel like there is also this increased sense of desperation like that's that's kind of where I'm on the fence where I'm not really sure because like things are getting so expensive are people gonna just like be like fine we'll do it because we're desperate have we gotten to that yet have we not gotten to it yeah I mean if, if I don't know the answer to it I'm just wondering really if you have a low income then a higher percentage of your you know payday is taken up by the basics by food and rent mm -hmm. so I don't know yeah I mean I think that's allowing more organizers to entice more people to yeah. come into the fold is this idea that like there's no way for those like lower income job titles to kind of advocate for raises or, or increases in mm -hmm. wages or 
paid time off or any or healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like organizers can like push for collective bargaining. But you have to form a union to do that. Amazon and Starbucks formed unions. So I'm I'm very interested. Yeah. It's just, I feel like Texas would be one of the hardest states because isn't it, uh, it, we're an at-will employer, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, my, my boss can fire me whenever he's in a bad mood. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, so my overlooked story um, in some ways should not be overlooked because CityCast Houston is just finishing hurricane week. But I still think that right now at the beginning of the hurricane season, we are not talking enough about hurricanes. You know, I don't think our area is prepared on the grand scale. You know, we haven't done anything to protect us against a hurricane pushing a storm surge up the ship channel and unleashing toxic hell. Um, But I also don't think that people have taken individual measures and lots of people don't even know what they need to do. They don't know where their house is in relation to, say, a storm surge or they don't have flood insurance. They don't know what they need to do if heavy winds are expected. And, you know, this worries me. It's expected to be an above average storm season and I'm crossing my fingers, hoping we scoot through another year safely. It's always scary being in Houston during storm season. There's always that like anxiety that builds. Mm -hmm. I mean, at U of H, even when there were like, uh, like spring storms, like like whenever there's like um, like a bit of heavy rain or whatever, the the campus would still flood. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes, I and, remember. And the university would have a very hard time, like just having steps in place for what students need to do if things get really dire, like on lockdown for COVID. That was like my last experience on the campus was one of those springs, like storm surges literally cut out the entire power on campus. They had to use porta potties. Like all the bathrooms were locked. Like I remember they had this issue when I was in school. <laughs> yeah, it's it's odd. That- How have they not figured it out? <laughs> well, I, I don't think this is unique to U of H. I think lots of Houston is not ready for everyday flooding, much less for a big storm. But you would think from a college campus with the amount of resources they have that they would do something, <laughs> especially since it's been years yeah, and I they mean, should have learned. Harvey was a catastrophe for them because like they had students locked in their dorms for weeks while the storm was raging because they didn't send kids home soon enough. So like, which happens over and over, like, like there were multiple places that didn't like let people be prepared at work and stuff like that. Like, so it's always scary that we get hit with another Harvey because Harvey was not we were we were definitely not prepared for something like Harvey. Mm-hmm. AK, you haven't told us your most underrated, undercovered story. So uh, I, I had a bit of a, a difficult time trying to tie it to Texas, but I feel like it's universal enough that it works for all of us. But there have been these uh, promises circulated, like. Biden had made the claim that he really wanted to forgive student loans or at least forgive an amount of student loans. Uh, Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it just came out yesterday that they are passing something to allow for Corinthian, so like Catholic schools, Catholic colleges, to kind of forgive all student debt for their students. All of it? This is from the Washington Post. Former Corinthian college students to have federal loans forgiven. 
about $5.8 billion. And so I don't know if this is a blueprint that they're trying to use, like if it is something that like the Biden administration, like it's an easier time to go to these religious institutions, to these private colleges and like start doing it there and that it'll expand to everywhere. Didn't Corinthian go bankrupt and shut down? I think that makes a difference. That they're not benefiting this school since it's not there anymore. I mean, I have student loan debts. I feel like a lot of mm -hmm. students in Texas, most of the time, once they graduated, they had to find jobs as soon as possible. And like mm. them basically ceasing collection on interest on the loans have helped a lot of people be able to get homes, buy cars, build like lives for themselves. Yeah. And the prospect of just loan forgiveness, like removing that bigger responsibility from essentially two graduating classes that have come out in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, that's huge. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think loads of people would have their lives yeah. change. Okay, let's talk about joy. More joy. We need more joy. Dina, what is making you happy in Houston this week? This has to be one of my favorite things that I've read in a while. It's a story about giving the community a voice and it's out of the third ward. The Spanish village restaurant has been there for like oh, over 70 years. Yellow, the, yellow cheese. Yes. They're iconic little Mexican restaurant. Yeah. So they are, you know, it's time for them to close and move on. That's like sad. They're still open. I thought they had already. I know. You'd think that they would. Okay. Anyway. But the really cool thing is that Stephen Rogers wants to give the community a vote on how they want the place to re, you know, to be um, repurposed. Oh, the building. Like, what do they want instead of it? Yeah. Uh -huh. Like, what do you want instead of the Spanish Village restaurant? And so I thought this was really cool because you don't really see that. You don't see people asking the community, like, hey, this beloved place that's been here for, like, right. decades is closing. What would you like to see instead of it? And he's a private developer, right? This is not a mm -hmm. public piece of land. Yes. Yes. This is not a public piece of land. That is cool. Um, so it's yeah. really cool. I mean, it, and they made it really easy. Like Stephen Rogers owns the lot. And so he's talking about how he wants feedback from the community. And so he's trying to make it as easy as possible. So there's like a QR code that's being passed around and posted on signs mm -hmm. that people can just like scan. And through that code, you just fill in a few questions, you provide your feedback, your input, and they actually take it into consideration. Oh, that is excellent. It's really cool. Okay, what about you? What's making you happy? Uh, it's also food related. Yeah? My, uh, <laughs> my friend came down from uh, Washington State. Uh, he's in the Navy. And the last time he visited, we went to this place called Squabble. Oh, oh with uh, one I've B, been there. right? Yeah, the one B. Uh -huh. Yeah. And like, it was it was such a fascinating experience because like it's like a European almost Scandinavian style restaurant in the middle of mm -hmm. like hot Houston like in the yeah. Houston. <laughs> yeah and like it's this food that's designed to be eaten in like really cold weather uh -huh. but like it just fits. And their, so, what did you their, eat? Was it really heavy and horrible? And when you walked outside the doors again? So, so this is the smart thing about what they yeah. do. They do small portions, very small portions. I was gonna ask you. I was like, what do you think of the portion size? Because I was like, whoa, these are tiny. <laughs> yeah, they're really small. It's beans and lentils and like heavy cooked meat, red meat or white meat. So it's like the entrees are really heavy, which I would say like 
the entrees were pretty good, but I think the appetizers, this like the starters and the desserts are really what make that place special. My only memory is they had some really amazing mocktails for anybody who doesn't drink alcohol that I absolutely loved, packed with flavor. Mm. And then also they had a crawfish pasta, which was very heavy, but it was like a small portion. So we were able to like split it between four people. So whenever it's crawfish season... I'm hoping that they'll bring that back on their menu because it's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a few items that we were seeing on their like Yelp that like I hope they bring back because they look amazing. Also, next time I will probably try that squid ink pasta. I really want to try squid ink. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird thing to want to try. I, it's just it comes up so many times and it's like apparently like a really classic like European dish that I, I just want to oh. see what it actually tastes like. Fair. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. I don't know. Uh, my thing is little. Um, so tomorrow, Saturday, is free fishing day in Texas. It means that normally to fish in some public body of water, you have to have a fishing license, which I think costs 30 bucks. And if you buy it online, you have to pay an annoying $5 processing fee. But tomorrow is kind of an amnesty day. And the idea is that if you're not sure if you're into fishing, if you want to just borrow somebody's pole and try it out, this is the time to go. And that just made me happy. That's kind of nice. I like that. I like fishing sometimes. Like for a while there, we used to live in Turkey. You could go by the riverbanks and uh -huh. you could just like whip out a fishing pole and just stand there for the rest of the day and you just watch the boats. And it's like really relaxing. I think like fishing is a really like meditative thing. Yeah. I see people doing that kind of bank fishing by the bayous, but I hope they're not eating the fish. <laughs> I just think there are too many toxins in there. That is true. <laughs> it may still be meditative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all both. This, is, this has been great. This is awesome. Yeah, this was really wonderful. This is a great way to start the day. We'll have links to the stories that we talked about and also to the restaurant Squabble. Squabble with one B in our show notes. That is it for today here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kesba. Our producer is Farrell Gibbs. Our newsletter is written by Brooke Lewis and me, your host, Lisa Gray. Music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band All the Kimonos. We will be back Monday with a special show. We are talking with one of our favorite recurring guests, Carrie Blakinger, who covers corrections for the Marshall Project, will be talking about her own life and her new memoir, Corrections in Ink, about her stint in prison. We'll talk with you then. Clicking that just gets me back to the main page. Okay, well, they can't complain if we get it wrong because they gave us no help. <laughs>